Are you ready? This is Moffat on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show. We are live, as always, on this Thursday evening, courtesy of the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. I am Craig Moffat. And, of course, my show is not complete without the production stylings and the man who fits the Zoom budget into his into the A1 budget, I'm talking about, of course, Chris Quinn. What's up, Craig? Clem, it's been a while, man. It feels like that. It feels like it's been a while. We were, I mean, we, were, we were on last week, but it feels like it's been like a month since we last did a show because there's so much going on right now. I know. And it's been kind of crazy. But um, as always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, and you could follow me on Facebook as well. You can follow Clem and the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can... Subscribe to our podcast, courtesy of Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Comment below on Clem's Facebook feed for any uh, comments, questions, whatever. We'll be uh, glad to answer them. And uh, if you do subscribe to Apple Podcasts to our show, give us a five-star review. That always makes us feel important. So, Clem, we got a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it. So, a little bit later on, we're going to debut a new segment that I created earlier today that I thought would be kind of funny. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that towards the end of the show. But I thought we would do a little, uh, we have five questions, as always, that we, we like to do. Uh, we tried to do it. We did it the other day. It actually worked out pretty well. So a lot happened since our show on Monday. I know our show was on Instagram Live, but um, I messed up and I never posted it. So it doesn't exist. <laughs> so sorry about that, Club. It's okay. All right. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the intricacies of Instagram Live. But um Basically, with everything going on, a lot's happened in New York over the past couple of days with the Jets, with the Mets, uh, the Nets and Knicks, and uh, the Islanders and Rangers and everything like that. So here we go. Clem, are you ready? Born ready. Okay. Since you are the producer of the show, I'm going to give you the shot of where you want to start first. Well, considered that we already had our first comment from your brother talking about Deshaun Watson, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Okay, Deshaun Watson. So here is the question. So as you know, the big news of this morning was Deshaun Watson officially requested a trade. According to Adam Schefter, this actually request went in two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, that's the case. So be it. But it is official. Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade. But I thought what was kind of funny about Jet fans this morning was they were posting on YouTube that he demanded a trade. Mm-hmm. He didn't demand a trade. He requested a trade. It's a big difference. I don't know if they just wanted to make the Jet fan feel better, sleep better at night, knowing he demanded a trade and wants officially out of Houston. Obviously, as you know, last week, according to Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, the New York Jets are the number one destination for Deshaun Watson. So, Clem, in your opinion, do the Jets have leverage over the Texans in a potential Deshaun Watson trade? Absolutely, they have the leverage. Absolutely, 110%, they have the leverage. After we saw last season, you know, trade, you know, Bill O'Brien aside or whatever, mm-hmm. they stunk. They absolutely stunk, you know, and they're not going to get any better this year without any draft picks. They have no draft picks until a third round. They have nothing. And you know what the Jets have? The Jets have draft picks. They have draft picks this year. They have draft picks next year. 
if they really want to get into it, they have draft picks three years from now. The Jets can, they have all the leverage in the world to offer the Texans the moon if they want to for Deshaun Watson. Okay. They do and they don't. I think they do have the picks, which is what you said. When we talked about this earlier in the week on Monday, I had said that I would prefer to keep the Seattle picks mm-hmm. and trade my Jets, my actual Jets draft picks for the next three years. Yes. And throw in another pick on top of that. I don't think they'll want Darnold. And to be honest, I'd rather use Darnold in a separate trade because I need to re- try to recoup one of some of my losses from this trade. So if I can flip Darnold to get a second round pick, let's say, and still wind up with two twos, that'd be ideal. Mm-hmm. I could do that. You know, I would, I could live with that. Now it's highly possible. You could do a first and a second this year, a first this year, next year, and maybe a first the year after that, that might get the job done. I think you may have to throw in another pick on top of that. I, I would throw in a third, maybe, maybe I would throw in a third next year because we have, we have two threes thanks to the Jamal Adams deal. So there's that possibility. Here's the one thing you got to be careful about. And that's the Dolphins. Yeah. Because we don't really know what they're thinking right now. We don't really know how serious they are. They're in on Watson. And if they turn around and offer three and 18, knocking them pretty much out of the first round, are the Jets prepared to offer two and 23 in the same year? Because next year's Seattle pick may not be that high. This is, you know, this is the fact of them losing to the Rams, and that's why they wound up picking 23rd. But next year, they could be a better team. You know, I think maybe lower in the first round. I was I thought about this a lot, and I was listening to the Michael K show today, and this is what they opened with. And while the Dolphins picks are intriguing, and yeah, it's not real. You get better picks, really. You're, you're getting the third overall pick this year, which is the Texans' pick anyway, and you're getting a higher second first pick, and plus they'll probably throw in Tua. Right. The thing is, you know, do they do the Texans want to take Tua? That's the I don't think they do. I, I, I don't think they that's do. what I think as well. I think if they want that pick, they want either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, and they're going to build around that guy. Now, here's the crazy thing about the Dolphins. I'm not saying the Dolphins don't need Deshaun Watson. You know, and I'm not trying to say that to, be, to make myself feel better for the Jets to get him. But if the Dolphins are so big on Tua, you just drafted him a year ago, now all of a sudden you're kind of turning on the guy a little bit. Why not take the three and draft Devontae Smith? Exactly. Why not take the three or draft Jamar Chase, let's say? You know, like I'm just throwing out some hypotheticals. They're not going to draft a quarterback with three. And you never know what the Dolphins can do with that third pick because if there is a team desperate enough to take one of the quarterbacks. So, for example, let's say the Jets make the trade with the Texans and the Texans move up to two and the Texans decide to take Zach Wilson, which leaves Justin Fields out there. If the Dolphins are hell-bent on moving forward with Tua, they can do this two ways. They could try to trade down to a team that really wants a quarterback. Maybe Detroit wants a quarterback because they're already putting Stafford on the block. Maybe the Panthers want a quarterback because they're not really crazy about Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe the Falcons want a quarterback and to build, you know, to groom for Matt Ryan, who eventually is going to retire. The Dolphins have a lot of possibilities here. At three. Now, I would probably buck that trend and just say, you know what? We're just, if we don't get Watson, then we're going to take the best player. We think the best player is Devontae Smith. 
and we take Devontae Smith. Mm -hmm. The Dolphins need playmakers. Tua needs playmakers. Not saying they don't have them, but they're not really as good. Devontae Smith is definitely an exciting player to have on that team, pairing him with Tua from the Alabama days. Exactly. And you know what? Like, even if they say the Dolphins even keep their picks, I think the picks for them are more enticing than getting a Deshaun Watson. Because if you, like you said, they're all in on Tua. You get a guy like Devontae Smith at the three pick and then grab a guy like Travis Ntn or Najee Harris with the, with, at the 18th pick. There's your offense right there. You just fixed your entire offense with just two picks. Because their offensive line is decent, you get another you get another wide receiver to pair with Devonte Parker. Like I said, Devonte uh, like Devonte Smith, the Devontes. Wow, you just sold a whole bunch of merchandise right there. And then a guy a running back like Najee Harris or Travis Ntn. There's your offense. You have the best. You have arguably one of the best offenses in the AFC with that. Okay, you're right. You're not wrong. There. Here's the other thing I'm going to say though, and this is a big question I'd have if I were the Texans. If you're trying to dump Tua on me. Okay, if I'm Nick Casario, the general manager of the Houston Texans, I have to ask myself, why are they so quick to get rid of Tua? Exactly. And that's kind of a big deal. And a lot of people, you know, the Dolphin fans will sit there and they'll say, well, if we have an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson, we don't really need Tua anymore. True. You're not wrong there. But if I have to ask myself, why are you already giving up on the guy after one year? Mm hmm. And that's very – it's not even a year, Clem. It's a half a season. It's not even a full season because Fitzpatrick started the full the season. Exactly. That's – I mean, for me, I'd be a little puzzled. I'm not – I would be very puzzled at that as to why all of a sudden you're, you're ready to give me Tua when you've barely given this guy a chance to get his feet wet in the league. Exactly. And look how the Cardinals made out with Josh Rosen. Yeah, they got a second round pick for him. The second round pick is very good. Like, it's a high pick to trade for a guy that is relatively not even in the league anymore. And he was the, what, eighth overall pick in 2018, Josh Rosen? So the, the, card, the Texans might look at it like, we might have another Josh Rosen situation on our hands. Do we really? Yeah, we'll inherit two first round picks, but we'll also have to inherit Tua as well. You know, and we're not going to draft. And if they inherit Tua, they're not going to draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Something if tells me, and the thing is, that's why I don't think they would take Donald in a trade. And I brought that up today to Jake on the on the Jake Asman show. Mm -hmm. And because what I asked him was because there was a rumor going around that one of the coaches, one of the people they're looking to get as an assistant coach is Josh McCown. Josh McCown is very tight with with Donald. So I just posed a question to Jake, and I said, "Do you think if they hire McCown?" that McCown might try to convince them to go after Darnold. If, if McCown is a quarterback's coach, let's say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jake, Jake, had a, Jake made a very good point. He goes, it's an interesting take. He goes, I just don't think McCown is that much clout, which he probably doesn't, you know. But he's not wrong. Jake is not wrong. I mean, he's, you know, Jake, Jake's 100% right. But I don't know if I'm the Texans if I want to take back Darnold. Just like if I'm Miami, I'm not 100% sure I want to take back Tua. Right, because I want to use the number, I want to use that two or three pick to draft my quarterback of the future. If I take Tua back in a trade, then I'm inadvertently committing to Tua. And the thing is, I have to be careful that I don't ruin this guy's career. Right. Because if I give up on him after a year, then he's he's done. Like he's shot. And if Miami gives up on him so quickly, then he's shot.
You know, and it's not like Tua would be going into a situation with the Texans where he'd be, okay, yeah, you know, you still have a backup, he's still learning, whatever. Blah, blah. No, he'd be thrown right into the starting position, and I don't think Tua's ready for that yet. I mean, yeah, he, he did it with the he did it with the Dolphins, but now you're going into a whole new system, a whole new I know a whole new uh, division, new yeah. coach, new everything. You're not staying with Brian Flores, where it's like, okay, you know what, he knows the system. He could run the offense next year. No, it's not that situation now With if he were to get traded to the Texans. And the thing is, is that here's – I'm trying to think about this. Tua's value – Tua doesn't have any value. Yeah. If you want to think about it. I mean, you're basically just throwing him into this deal. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? It's like he's not like – the Texans aren't sitting there going, well, any trade for Watson has to include Tua. I mean, that's kind of like – that's that's known. I mean, that's not like something that's a huge shock to the system. But yeah. it's almost like the equivalent of buying of taking a, a brand new car off the lot. The minute you take it off the lot, it loses its value. Yeah. It's, and Tua in many ways did not do anything to help his value. Yeah, exactly. And even if and even say like they don't for some reason they don't throw in Tua and they just trade their picks for Deshaun Watson. It, that's even more crushing to Tua because it's like, well, now I'm never going to start. You know, it's like, so it, I think they want to go. I think if they're going to take a pick, they want to draft their own quarterback. I don't yeah. think they want to. Yeah. And that's where the Jets come into play. The Jets might be the better. And Mike, if that's what I'm assuming is what Michael K was trying to say, because if you take, let's say the Jets give up two and 23, I don't love the fact of giving up the Seattle picks because at the end of the day, I have a team to rebuild. I still have to rebuild my team. If I start giving up all my first round picks, then I got to go through free agency to do everything. And that's not what I want to do. Exactly. They need to build the foundation. And that's where I'm, you know, the odds of a Jets trade for me are 70-34. And the reason why I say 30 against is because if I know Douglas, he likes having the picks, man. He wants to rebuild this team. This team has had shitty draft after shitty draft after shitty draft for far too long. This past draft he just had, very promising. I can't say it's a success yet, though. Mm -hmm. No, and I agree. And I think, you know, but even with, and I said this on Monday, too, even, even if we do trade all these picks, we're not really trading, you know, draft capital. We'd just be starting back at it as if we had just a normal draft, you know, and I think, you know, and like I said, you know, you trade a guy like Sam, you get a third round pick for them. You trade maybe a guy like Mosley because he just just trade Mosley. You get a um, no, I wouldn't trade Mosley. I, oh, no, I wouldn't trade I either. Get some return on my investment for Mosley. If you no, trade yeah. Mosley, you're trading for him. You're not going to get shit from Mosley. No, I, I 100% agree. I was just giving out examples. Though. Yeah. I was just, but he, he, Crowder, Crowder has value if you really want to go there with Crowder. But I, I like Jameson Crowder a lot, so I wouldn't really want to give him up. But I have to be able to try to keep my Seattle picks. Yeah. I got no problem trading you three first rounders. I really don't. I will trade you number two overall. I will trade you my pick the year after that. And I will trade you my pick the year after that. Honestly, if I, if I was the GM, I would be like, hey, who do you want? Deal. Take them all <laughs> for Deshaun Watson. I don't care. I got, we got to get Deshaun on this team. We got to. I, I 100% believe that Deshaun Watson will be playing for the New York Jets in 2021. But you also have to be careful, Clem, because at the same time, you could you got to be careful you're not bidding against yourself. Mm -hmm. Because we don't really know the seriousness of do the Dolphins' interest. 
Right. We don't know how seriously interested they are because, you know, again, you have Tua, you're building a team the right way. You've had, you know, you've made some smart signings. You've drafted fairly well. So it's tough to gauge how much they're going to be all in on Watson. Mm -hmm. Miami could easily say, you know what? I'll take the picks. I'll give my, I'll give my quarterback a number one receiver in Devontae Smith. And maybe I can even get two receivers mm -hmm. at three and 18 and just say, you know what? Maybe Rashad Bateman would be a good pick there. Maybe if he's available, Kyle Pitts, you never know. I mean, like you, you just, you never really know what teams are thinking right now for the jets. It makes a ton of sense because they really need that. They've already got the first injection with Sala and Watson really wants to play for Sala. Okay. So that's a feather in the jets cap right there. It's just a question of what the jets are prepared to give up and what Douglas is prepared to give up. Right. And the I thing is, if I can keep my 23, then I will give you the second round pick. Mm-hmm. I will give you my first at number two overall and my second, which is number two overall, basically. Okay. In hopes that I can trade flip Sam to another team and get a second back. So I don't lose my second round pick. I just might be picking a little lower in the second round. Right. Like, and I'm perfectly fine with that happening, you know? But even if you wind up with a three, you still could wind up with three third round picks, which is not bad. It's not bad. I mean, there's a lot of talent in the third round. And that's where you make or break a draft. And we've seen that in the past. You know, some of the guys, some of the, the, the depth of your team, the crux of your team, the core is based on the guys drafting the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. That's where the meat and, that's where the meat and potatoes of your team is, is at. And the funny thing was I was watching uh, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman today. Ugh. And Stephen A. was like, oh, the Jets have to get him. You know, now Stephen A.'s on the Jets bandwagon so quickly. Max Kellerman goes, well, you know, it's really a question of the teams that don't need Deshaun Watson. And I kind of sat there and I scratched my head. First of all, I wonder why Max Kellerman is on the air. But the second thing is, is like, yes, I, I get that part. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs don't need Deshaun Watson because they have Pat Mahomes. But here's the problem. The lower in the draft you go, the bigger the package is going to be. Do you really think the Houston Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson to a freaking contender? No. Do you think the Houston Texans are going to trade him to a team that is picking too low in the draft for them to wind up with a franchise quarterback? No. They're not. Those teams are out. So you can forget about Green Bay. You can forget about New Orleans. You can forget about any of those teams in the bottom. Because the, the, they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson to a team like, for example, the Patriots, who are picking like 13th or 14th in the draft. Because for the Texans, that's too low. Mm -hmm. The Patriots have to give up a lot just to get that, just to get Deshaun Watson. It's going to cost a lot more than the 14th overall pick in the draft or whatever spot they're picking in as of today. Yeah. Your brother commented on the Facebook post again. He said, I would give two and 23. Figure it this way. The Jets would end up using one of those picks for a QB anyway, most probably two. Of course, they would have a little bit more to take, a little bit more, but take the proven player. Plus, Watson doesn't turn the ball over. He's right. I think Watson only had like seven picks last year. He, he was like, not I mean, much. Yeah. It was very low. He's right. No, he's 100% right. The guy's a top five quarterback in the league. He is. And the thing with me is like, 
again, if I can keep the two, then I'll trade the 23. Mm-hmm. If I can, you know, if I could flip them and still wind up with 23, but trade you the second rounder, I'd be fine either way. Yeah. I would just, I, my preference is to keep the Seattle picks. I think my, uh, I, my preference is too, but at the end of the day, if we do trade two and 23 for Deshaun Watson, I, I don't think I'll be mad at all. I told my friend today, I said, if the Jets wind up with Deshaun Watson, I go, I might have to think about getting season tickets. Like, seriously, like, I mean, like, because this trade is, would be huge. And the thing is, too, and my the franchise, it's huge for, it's huge for the fan base. This has been kind of an awkward, if you think about it, Clem, right? You and I are Jet fans, Met fans, and Islander fans. And Nets fans. And Nets fans, okay? Think about what has happened since we were in the pandemic, okay? And we'll, 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 we'll start with the Islanders going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And actually giving Tampa Bay a run for their money, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Jets screwed the pooch under Gase, fine. The Mets get sold to Steve Cohen, who is now the richest owner in baseball, and the Mets are now acting like a big market team. Mm-hmm. The Nets get Kevin Durant back, get Kyrie Irving back, and as much as I don't didn't like the trade, we have James Harden, okay? The Knicks are actually playing better basketball. The Knicks are actually playing pretty decently right now, even though, I mean, I know they had a little rough trip on the West Coast, but that's understandable. I mean, playing on the West Coast is never easy, especially for the Nets are the same way. And now you have a situation where the Jets could wind up with a franchise quarterback who's only 25. The tides have turned in New York, man. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how, like, this has all changed. The tides, I was telling my friends this the other day. I was like, look, it's no longer the Yankees, Giants, Rangers, and the, the Knicks are the dominant teams in New York anymore. The Nets are better than the, the the Nets are better than the Knicks. The Islanders are better than the Rangers. The Jets, the Jets are guys on the same level right now. But I, I honestly, with the new coach hire, and I, I'd give the edge to the Jets right now, honestly. And that's not being me, me, me being a Jets fan. That's me being a logical sports fan. And the Mets, you can arguably say, are better than the Yankees right now. The tides have turned. It's a good time to be a New York sports fan. I mean, as a Mets fan, would you ever think that we'd wind up with Lindor? Absolutely not. See? Absolutely not. Do you really think we'd be in the market right now if we were in the finals for George Springer? Nope. Trevor Bauer? Nope. Never would have thought this. You see what I mean? It's just like, and now with the Jets, if they get Deshaun Watson, guess who else is probably coming here? Alan Watson. Yep. And that's another thing. Like, like, that's another thing I was going to say, too. You know, Michael K was bringing up the fact that, oh, what if Deshaun Watson wants to go to a contender like the Dolphins? The Dolphins are a better they're team. A contender. They just got the third pick because of the Texans made a terrible trade. Exactly. And but the thing is, the Jets, I feel like the Jets aren't really that far off. I mean, you bring in a guy like Allen Robinson to to go with Crowder and Mims, that's a solid one, two, three in your wide receiver. It all starts with the quarterback. Yes. It all starts with the quarterback. And listen, we, we, were, we wished it was Sam, but it's pretty obvious it's not. Because what's, what, I, what I don't really like that I'm seeing is, is like everybody's trying to defend Sam Darnold now. Mm-hmm. You look online, you, read, you watch all the videos on YouTube, it's like, oh, well, Sam Darnold will really thrive in Mike LaFleur's offense and everything. We don't know that. We don't know that. And, uh, and at this stage, you can't take that gamble. Mm-hmm. You cannot take that gamble on Sam Darnold. Especially when Deshaun's sitting you in the face. Exactly. 
He wants out of Houston. You know, according to different reports, his number one choice is the Jets. He wants to play for Robert Sala. I mean, like, he wants to come to a bad team. He wants to come to a 2-14 team. What does that tell you? I mean, I understand that Joe Douglas has a plan, and I know he's very methodical. I know he's very meticulous. You know, it's, it's, he doesn't like to veer off the plan. But sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to. And even if the Jets don't go after Watson, you know, there's no better quarterback to go after than Justin Fields. You know, it's there's no there's no he he Justin Fields, you could say, is probably a better prospect in this draft than any of the other QBs that aren't Trevor Lawrence or any of the quarterbacks next year in the draft. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the prospects next year. The best ones I'm seeing are Sam Howell from North Carolina and and uh, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Yeah, we don't really know until the season starts, and we gotta wait. Exactly. We gotta wait. But the question is, the question isn't whether the Jets should go get Deshaun Watson. That's an obvious. It's a yes. Do they have leverage? That I'm not sure about. Because if the Texans gave kind of gauge the Dolphins in a little bit of a bidding war, then the Jets might wind up giving up more than they would like. That's where I think that Douglas kind of. I could see Douglas holding back if it's like four first rounders. Right. I would never give you four first rounders. I'm sorry. Even though I understand they want to Sean Watson, but at the same time, we have to build a foundation. We still don't have one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's great to get that franchise quarterback in place like Deshaun Watson, but we have to build around him too. So, so there's that. All right. Speaking of the Texans. So the Texans finally hired their head coach. It is David Culley, who not many people knew about. And I had heard him by name. I just didn't remember what team he was from. Apparently he had like four different jobs on the Ravens. He was a pass gaming, passing game coordinator. He was a wide receivers coach, this and that. It's a little bit of an odd hire. Now, on the positive side, it's a minority coaching hire. Mm-hmm. So that always looks good in the eyes of the NFL and the Players Association. Okay. But outside of that, he wasn't on any team's radar. But then again, last year, neither was Joe Judge. And Joe Judge got hired by the, by the Giants. So we had heard for all last week that it was either going to be Biennemi or it was going to be Leslie Frazier. Those were the two we had heard were the two finalists. There was even a story that Biennemi and Frazier were trying to put coaching staffs together in the event they get the job. And then David Culley gets the job. So, Clem, here's the question. In your opinion... Was David Culley the only guy willing to take the Texans' job? I'm thinking yes, and I mentioned this when they talked about when we talked about the uh, Eagles hiring uh, Santarelli or whatever that guy's name is. You know this guy, Sirianni. especially this guy, Sirianni. Say it with me, Sirianni. Sirianni. There we go. David Culley, it was the, he was on no one's radar, like not even like a rumor or anything like that, like. Like, I get, like, you don't want to wait for, like, a Leslie Frazier and an Eric Bieniemy because, you know, they're still playing the games and they're probably not doing really deep interviews until after the season. And everyone wants to get their coach now. They want to get this. They, the, they want to do that. But this came out of left field. You're the only team that needs a coach. Exactly. So I, so why, would you, why would you hire him now? Yeah, it doesn't – like, I feel like he might have – like you said, he might have been the only one – who wanted that job? The Texans are a hot mess right now. 
hot mess. I don't think anyone wants to go coach there. And then it's they, a hot they, mess, but I think it's fixable. There's a difference. You can be, listen, the Jets were a hot mess, okay? And then the Jets went out and hired Robert Sala. And all of a sudden, everything seemed to be right with the world with Jets Nation again. Because they finally got a coach that they love, that they want, that, you know, even though I think it's bullshit that they actually wanted him because I never heard one time anybody say they wanted Robert Sala. Okay. Mm -hmm. The thing with the Texans right now is, is that you already, you inadvertently screwed your franchise quarterback because you told him he would have a say in the hiring or at least opinions. And it turned out he didn't. He went behind his back and hired the guy from the Patriots. Okay. Now, I don't think a player should have that much say in the decision-making. But if you promised him he would have an opinion, you need to give him his opinion. Because that's how it works nowadays. And especially with a guy like Deshaun Watson. Like, he, like we said, he's a, top four, he's a top five quarterback in this league. The best player on your team. But one thing about, here's the problem. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% on that part. One thing I know about, I mean, we've seen it constantly in the news and everything. Pro athletes are very sensitive. Mm -hmm. They take these, they take this shit too personal. They do. They do. They take it way, way, way too personally when their, their opinion's not considered and everything. This is what scares me about the Deshaun Watson thing. Because we see it time and time again in the NBA. When a player is not happy on their current team, they pretty much force their way to the team they want to go to. Mm -hmm. We saw it with James Harden. You know, we saw, we've seen it with a bunch of other guys. With Melo, when Melo wanted to go to the Knicks, we've seen it everywhere. Okay? That's how it is. That's the NBA for you in a nutshell. That's why you're never going to see teams like the Sacramento Kings winning championships. Because nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go to Sacramento. Nobody wants to go to Minnesota. That's why these teams are always going to be at the bottom. They're never going to be good. Nobody wants to go to Charlotte. Nobody wants to go to Washington unless it's by trade. In a weird way, the NF this is what you don't want the NFL to become. You don't want the NFL to become unhappy players demanding trades and forcing their way to teams they want to go to. You know, Jamal Adams tried to pull that shit when he was with Dallas. Remember how he was trying to pull, you know, when they when he ran to that fan in his car and he was like, yeah, I'm trying to get traded here. Then there was a report that he was trying to convince Dallas players to tell Jerry Jones to go get him and everything. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing you want for this league right now. Now, David Culley was never going to convince Deshaun Watson anyway. And as soon as the Texans hired him, you pretty much knew Deshaun Watson was gone. Yep. Because he was, it's not that he doesn't want to play for David Culley. It's just like, he's basically sitting there going, who is this guy? I have no idea who this guy is. You know, they, have, they have a relationship together from the Pro Bowl. That's like two weeks. It's a two-week relationship in Hawaii. That's all it is. They've known each other for two weeks. You know, it's funny. When I was on a cruise with my wife, I made friends with her family for five days. I've never spoken to them since. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. But it's just, it's just like, you know, the Texans didn't have to really rush, I think, to make this higher. They could have thought it through. They could have waited until right after the Super Bowl. And they could have said, you know what? Do we really want Eric Bieniemy? And this is the thing that I'm curious about. I know a lot of people are going to play the race card when it comes to Bieniemy. 
The problem is you can't really play the race card here because they hired a black coach. <laughs> That's true. So you, you can't, that card does not exist right now. You don't get to play that card because again, they hired an African-American coach. At least I, I think he's African-American and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to say something really shitty. It's just that I didn't know he was a minority head coach until I heard the Ravens got three third round, two third round picks for him as part of the new, you know, the hiring product, the new procedure for if you hire a minority, an African-American or Hispanic or for a GM position or a head coaching position, you get draft picks. Right. So there's that. So, you know, kudos to the Texans for hiring because there are, there are a lot of African-American coaches that are not getting a fair shake. And maybe they need to. Well, you're absolutely At the same time, right. when they've had got when they've gotten that shake, they've failed more times than they've succeeded. No, yeah, you're you're and you're right though too. I mean, it's just a tough look when it's just like, who the hell's this guy? When there are two, you know, other great African American coaching candidates like Leslie Frazier and Eric Bieniemy, who is still out there looking for co- potentially looking for head coaching jobs. Now, look, a guy like David Culley, it's very simple. If you get offered the job for the Houston Texans to be the head coach, are you going to say no? No, absolutely okay. not. You're going to want to coach the team because you don't know if you're going to get a head coaching job again. Eric Bieniemy could sit back and say, you know what? I don't know if I want to go to Houston right now because without, if Deshaun's not there, what am I going to do? He might want to stay with Andy Reid. Right. You know, maybe, maybe he eventually takes over the Chiefs if Andy Reid decides to retire. I don't know. But at the same time, you could, easily, you could also say to yourself that maybe Bieniemy is – the enemy's interviewed with a bunch of teams and not gotten a job. There's something going on there. And I'm not saying it's a black thing. I'm saying that I don't think he's a good head coach thing. Yeah, exactly. Again, this guy wasn't on anyone's radar. This guy wasn't even considered for being in a rumor of head coaching candidates. No one knew this guy. And I can guarantee you 90% of people, like average sports fans like me and you, were like, who the hell is David Cully? Yeah. But I'm saying right now, if Eric Bieniemy is not getting jobs and he's interviewed with like five or six teams a season, it may not necessarily be a black thing. It may just be that he's not a good coach. They, exactly. don't, they don't like his vision for the team. Again, yeah, and I even said this on Monday too. It, it could have just been a possibility. Andy Reid might, might have been like, look, I'm going to be out of here in two, three years. The team is yours when I'm gone. He could have easily have said that. We don't know. But I also think he wouldn't let him – he wouldn't hold him back from an opportunity to coach a team if he wanted to. If he got a job that he really wanted to go to, I think he would just accept it and just be like, look, sorry. Because, look, if Eric Bieniemy goes to another team, Kafka is going to take over that team eventually. Mm-hmm. Unless Kafka gets a job, a head coaching job before Andy Reid retires. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad hire. I just don't really know who David Culley is. Yeah. I think it would have been maybe a better decision to just hire Eric Bieniemy, unless you really feel like the guy just he's completely clueless when it comes to interviews. Like, let me let me pull up David Culley's coaching. Like, how do I say this resume? I forgot. I think it was who who said it. Somebody said it this morning. I think it was on ESPN. They said that David Culley was a wide receiver coach for the Chiefs. I think it was 2014 or something like that. Between 2013 and 2016, he was the assistant head coach and the wide receivers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. And in 2014, the wide receivers didn't have one touchdown or something like that? Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember that. 
It was a very good stat. It was a it was a great stat. Yeah, but he's been yeah he was the Raven he was the Ravens coach from 2019 to 2020. He was the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach, and passing game coordinator. 2017 between 2018, he was the Bills quarterback coach. Chiefs was I just told you the Chiefs, and he's been a wide receiver coach for most of his career. Yeah, but. Look, at the end of the day, he's got a long road ahead So, because the Texans are going to be in a full rebuild, which most likely means if Watson is gone, then that means J.J. Watt's gone too. Yeah. And I mean, they probably have to, and I'm sure they're going to make some cuts and they're going to, you know, they're going to cut some players because I think they have to, I don't know what their salary cap situation is right now. I know it's not that great, but obviously if you trade Deshaun Watson, you're going to, you know, it'll be a little, it'll be better. But Sometimes I just, I don't know, these, these, some of these hirings have been very weird. And, you know, this is just another one, from my opinion. I mean, maybe this is the only guy that would take the job. But it doesn't sound like it if Leslie Frazier was already putting a coaching staff together. You know, it sounded like Leslie Frazier would have easily taken the job if it was available. And the thing is, again, if the enemy wants to be a – listen, the best way to prove yourself as a head coach is not to take the easy way out. Robert Sala said, I want the Jets job. And he probably did say that. The Jets were a 2-14 and 14 team. A lot of people thought they had no talent whatsoever. And one of the best coaching candidates on the market wanted this job. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, he's trying to prove himself that he could take a team that was been terrible and turn them into winners. That's what makes a good head coach. So maybe it would have behooved Eric Bieniemy if he was even offered the job to take the Texans job if it was offered and you'll go through your growing pains and you'll go through your lumps without Deshaun Watson, without JJ Watt, probably without a guy like Brandon cooks or because you probably may have to cut him. I don't know what the status is of Will Fuller, but if you could take that team and start rebuilding it to exactly how you want it, Mm -hmm. That's going to be a better sign of you being a head coach and just going to a team like, for example, the Pittsburgh Steelers winning a Super Bowl. But in reality, you already had a really good team there. Right. So it, it kind of it doesn't measure how good of a coach you are if you take over a really good team and you win a Super Bowl. When Barry Switzer took over the Cowboys, they still had Emmett Smith. They still had Troy Aikman. They still had Michael Irvin. And that's why he won a Super Bowl, because they had the guys that Jimmy Johnson had coached for years. So he really didn't have to do a lot. So yeah, it was easy for Barry Switzer to win a Super Bowl. But it's just such an odd hiring because no one knew who this guy was. Exactly. And maybe, listen, you hope he does well. You know, you don't want to sit here and watch the guy fail and be miserable about it. And if he puts together the right staff, now one of the things he did was he retained the offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly. That's a smart move. Supposedly, Lovey Smith is going to be his defensive coordinator. I don't know if that's a smart move. <laughs> and he, he's talking about bringing in Josh McCown as an assistant of, of some kind, maybe a quarterback's coach. I don't know. All right, number three. The Mets traded Steven Matz yesterday to the Toronto Blue Jays for three prospects. Um, the fact that they got three prospects for Steven Matz is a miracle in of itself. 
<laughs> so, Clem, I will. I'll kick this one off. If you could describe Stephen Matz's career with the Mets in one word, it would be. I say frustrating. I'll say sad. Here's why I say frustrating. He came out of the draft with a shitload of talent. He was a second round pick. He went to Ward Melville, to Ward Melville High School. And he was really being touted as a Cy Young candidate. Mm -hmm. I know he had Tommy John in the very, very, very early stages of his major league career. Like he was still in the minors, of course. And to be honest, when the Mets had Jacob DeGrom, Matt Harvey, and Noah Syndergaard in front of him, the pressure should have been at an all-time low mm -hmm. because he had three pitchers ahead of him that everybody was really focused on. Nobody's really focusing on Mats. You know? It was almost like, you ever heard of a movie called The Duff? Yes. <laughs> he was the Duff. He was the Mets Duff. You're right. Because nobody cared about him. It was just like, it was, who was it about? DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard. Harvey was during the dark night phase. DeGrom was lights out. Syndergaard was lights out. Matt's, Matt's was a good pitcher. Wasn't a great pitcher. But you get that vibe that he was like the duff of, the, of that rotation. Right. I mean, if you really want to pick out the duff, it was Bartolo Colon. No, right? never be the duff. Right. No, he was the duff. <laughs> he was the duff. Okay. The thing is, is that we were waiting around for Steven Matz to realize his potential. And he never could do it. He would show you flashes of being a good pitcher, but then it was offset by a lot of other things. And the number one thing about Steven Matz of why he failed in New York was plain and simple. He didn't have the mental makeup for New York. Mm -hmm. And when you asked him to pitch in a big game, he couldn't deliver. Exactly. Back to lad this past off season, this past season. The 2020 season. You know, the Met, you know, everything was kind of a mess. Cespedes had just opt, had opted out of the season. We were ready to get Stroman back after he had taken a line drive off his leg. And Stroman decides to opt out right before the Nationals game, which was a pretty big series for the Mets. And it kind of put the it kind of put the rotation into a bit of disarray. Because not only was Syndergaard out for the season with Tommy John, but Stroman had now opted out of the season. Mm -hmm. Which means everybody got moved up. Which means guys like Rick Porcello and Michael Walker were being put in positions that they were doomed to fail. And that means Steven Matz had to be our number two, which he was never in, our, in his entire career with the Mets. And that night against the Nationals, you just really needed Steven Matz to have a good outing, a strong outing. Just to kind of like right the ship, just to make fans forget about Strowman for a day. And what did Smats do? He didn't even make it out of the second inning. It was gave up like nine runs. Like he was just he was a mess the entire game. And that's what I'm talking about with Steven Matz. The mental makeup is it's just not there. He has a hard time getting over it when he gives up a, a hit that scores two runs. He has a hard time getting over it when he's ahead 0-2 on a hitter and he walks the guy. He just could never get over that. If a defenseman doesn't – if an outfield doesn't get a ball, you could see the frustration in his face. If it bounces off the guy's glove, you could see the frustration in his face. He didn't have the mental makeup to be a starter with the Mets. 
No, yeah, you're Mets absolutely. gave him every opportunity to succeed, and he still couldn't do it. No, you're you're a hundred percent right, and that's why I described it as sad because you wanted to see this guy do good. You he was a he was a second round pick, Long Island guy, you know, New York fan. He was a Mets fan growing up, you know. It, you wanted to see this guy do good, and when he came off, at, when he came up to play in his rookie year in 2015, he was he was amazing. He was amazing in his rookie in in his first campaign with the Mets. He had four wins, a 2.27 ERA. He pitched in six games. He was a crucial part to the Mets getting to the playoffs that year and getting to the World Series. He was a crucial part. And then you figured, oh yeah, he'll repeat next year. He'll repeat, repeat the same thing next year. And he had an okay season with nine nine wins, eight losses, a 3.4 ERA. So not awful. But it's since that point. He was dog shit. 2017, terrible year. 2018, terrible year. 2019, awful. And even last year, terrible. It was he was not the same pitcher we we were hoping he would be when he when we saw him pitching his rookie campaign in 2015. And that's the frustrating part. That's why I say frustrating. Because he's given you so many bad outings. He had to be relegated to the bullpen at one point because he couldn't be a starter. His ERA was at nine, I think, at one point mm-hmm. in that last season. I mean, you it was just pretty much. You were guaranteed he was going to get shelled if you threw him out there every fifth day. Exactly, and you wanted to see him, you know, with that core, with that core five of, or that core four of Harvey, Syndergaard, Degrom, and Wheeler. You wanted to see them all succeed because it's like, holy shit, we this is something special here. Like we potentially could have had four Cy Young candidates at one point, but you know, then Harvey dropped off, and then Matt, and then we trade Wheeler was gone, and then Matt is was injured. It was like. Yeah, but now even Syndergaard. I mean, now Syndergaard is injury prone. Over the last two seasons, he's barely pitched. Yeah. He didn't pitch all last season. He's going to miss half of this season. And in 2019, he was injured. He had, a, you know, he had issues with, he had that lat, you know, he had a pulled lat muscle. I mean, he was all over the place. He was a, he was a hot mess. Mm-hmm. But that's what will always frustrate me about Steven Matz. It's just that the Mets gave him opportunity after opportunity, and he basically screwed the pooch. Mm-hmm. And you just can't have that. So I'm glad he finally got traded. And maybe it was better for him to go to a small market team. Maybe, you know, Toronto. But here's the thing. The Mets didn't exactly do him any favors by trading him to the Blue Jays. The Mets didn't really do him any favors by trading him to the Blue Jays. Because the Blue Jays are going for it this year. Oh, yeah. Especially after adding Springer. They just added Marcus Simeon. Now you're adding Steven Matz to the fold to go with the lineup with a very young lineup featuring Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio. A rotation that I think is pretty decent, could probably use another starter. With, you know, they have Ryu, they have Robbie Ray, they have Tanner Roark. Nate Pearson will probably be in the rotation this year. You know, Matz could be in the rotation this year. Although I don't know if I would put my, my faith in Steven Matz because he just hasn't proven to be a very good starter. And you're talking about going up against teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, the, the Yankees, even the Orioles have hitters, man. Yeah, it was, it was. Plus Mats and Camden Yards in that launching pad, <laughs> you know, but I would say one word to describe him frustrating. Very, very, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah. Now, which brings us to our next question, because It's almost like everything has a reason for happening. The Mets trade Steven Matz. 
which frees up about $5 million. The Mets are trying to stay as close to the luxury tax as possible without going over. They don't want to go over the luxury tax threshold of $210 million. So it begs the question, is this opening up space to bring in Trevor Bauer? I think it does. I really think it does just because of the fact that like you traded this, we don't have a fifth guy. We don't have a fifth guy for this rotation right now. We have we have DeGrom, we have Carrasco, we have Stroman, and we have Peterson. Sure, we'll get Syndergaard back at some point this season, but if anything, we gotta baby we gotta baby him. We gotta baby him until come back when you're hundred and ten percent ready to go. You know, right now we have a fifth spot open. Yeah, we got we got uh Lucchesi from the Padres, but I, he's not He's well, he has to- options too, so I think it's a case of they can put him in the minors if they really need to. Yeah, and I don't know. Are they going to do a taxi squad this year of some kind? Like I they don't did know. with like the alternate site. I couldn't remember if that was the case or not. Um, honestly, at this point, I think the Mets are bidding against themselves for Trevor Bauer. I have not heard any other team that is interested in him. Mm-hmm. I have not heard one team. I've barely heard the Dodgers interested. Supposedly the Angels were interested. There was talk the Angels were interested, but apparently he hates Mickey Callaway. So he's probably not going to go to Anaheim for that exact reason because he doesn't want to pitch for Mickey Callaway. Uh, Mickey so, Callaway. You know, um, look, at the end of the day, I would love to have Trevor Bauer. I'm not going to sit here and say I wouldn't. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want Trevor Bauer. And if the Mets can somehow get through a season, an offseason of getting Trevor Bauer and Francisco Lindor, I mean, count me. I couldn't have asked for a better offseason, in my opinion. I already think the Mets are already having a great offseason with the guys we already have with Lindor, McCann, and Trevor May. Now, there's a lot of talk about them also trying to make a push, you know, that they could try to make a run at Jackie Bradley Jr., which, again, which is also what we wanted. Because we want that left. We want – I want a platoon in center field. I don't want Nimmo in center field every day. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you could find a way to get Jackie Bradley Jr. and maybe find a way to bring Jake Marisnik back and have them platoon in center field, I think that would be really good. Oh, yeah, exactly. You don't want the Met lineup being too lefty heavy. And you will have that with guys like Dom, with guys like Conforto and Nimmo and Jackie Bradley Jr. and McNeil. I think think McNeil's a switch hitter, but I'm not really sure. He's not, no. He's not, okay. So that's six guys out of the nine that are going to be lefties, which puts you with McCann, I think, as a righty. Um, J.D. Davis is a righty. And um, Pete. Who is it? And who? Alonzo. Oh, Alonzo. My bad. But the Mets are bidding against themselves. Now, reportedly, the offer that was made to Trevor Bauer was for about four years, and it was a little bit under what Garrett Cole makes a year, which, quite frankly, I think is a fair deal. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I want Trevor Bauer for seven years, not at that price, not at 35, $36 million a year. He's a solid pitcher. I won't take that away from him. But if I know that I'm the only team really, really going after him, do I really want to offer him a seven, eight year deal when I don't need to? Now, from what I've heard that the rumor contract is like less than four years. I've heard three to four years, like give or take. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want Bauer for more than three. I'll say two, two, three year contract, and I'm good with that. So, there's that. But here's the beauty of signing Trevor Bauer. 
is that next year, you're talking about this year, you already know it's a plus. But next year, it works out just as well. Mm -hmm. Because Trevor Bauer provides you that protection from losing Stroman and possibly losing Syndergaard. Mm -hmm. Because they're both free agents after this year. And next year, you're going to have a rotation of DeGrom, Bauer, Carrasco, and Peterson. And then you add a fifth, whoever that is. It's not going to be where you have to break the bank for the guy, though. And you could very well get Syndergaard back on a one-year deal because he's coming off Tommy John. Right. He may not get the deal that he wants. He may wind up getting a deal similar to what Kluber got. You know, a one-year deal, like kind of like a one-year prove-it deal. Exactly, because he hasn't done – as much as I love Syndergaard, he hasn't done anything since – 2016. He hasn't proven anything to us. Now, here is where, in some ways, Sandy Alderson is smart, even though I'm not a huge Alderson guy. In fact, I really don't like Alderson. Let me just clear that up right now. Because he'll know not to bid against himself. Mm -hmm. He'll know that the market is kind of wearing dry. Pitchers and catchers are scheduled to report in a few weeks. Bauer still doesn't have a deal. There aren't a lot of teams really breaking down the door to sign him. He knows that. It's pretty obvious. I mean, outside of the Dodgers, who are not even 100% in on Bauer, who else is there? Unless a team kind of comes out of left field and gives him a big contract, it's not going to happen. So I think in a way, Alderson knows that. And he's going to try to play it out. And this is what Sandy will do. He'll drag it out. He'll just keep dragging it out. Listen, for all we know, Bauer could become a Met this weekend. Mm-hmm. It could be done, science healing delivered this weekend. Well, knowing us, it all, all the fun stuff happens after we go off the after we're yeah. done with the show. If so. we go off the air like 9 45 at 10 02, Bauer <laughs> will sign a contract with the Mets. Right. And then we got to wait till fucking Monday to talk about it. Like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> right. So while I understand like Trevor Bauer, I mean, listen, I would love to have Trevor Bauer for the rotation. But this is a situation where I think the Mets are bidding against themselves right now. So they have to be careful here. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to, I'm not saying you don't pay him. I think you definitely give him the money. He's earned it, but it's the years I don't want. Yeah. I don't need him for seven years. I don't need a seven, eight year deal for the guy. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely right. They're like we can't give him that much of a contract. Like give me three years max. And then that's it. There was a crazy rumor my friend had sent to me today. It was going around on Twitter, a a potential Mets-Cubs trade that had the Cubs sending Chris Bryant and Hendricks Mm -hmm. to the Mets for J.D. Davis, Jairus Familia, J.T. Ginn, and another prospect. I think his name was Alex Ramirez. Send that. Send that 10 times out of 10. Because basically the Cubs are in a salary dump. They're, 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 they're dumping salary. And J.D. Davis doesn't make a lot of money. Familia only has one more year left on his deal before he's gone. And the other two guys are on, you know, they're on their rookie contracts. Chris Bryant, though, is a free agent after this year. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, I'm, I'm not big on Chris Bryant, man. I'm just not. I'm See, not I, big on Chris Bryant. Like, he's not the player he was his rookie year. Like, Chris Bryant's still a good player, but he's not the flashy player he was three years ago. You know, it's he's not the same guy. And I kind of get where Mets fans are coming at it, like saying, like, oh, I, I, I really don't want him. 
me personally, I, I would love Chris Bryant on this team. I think he would be a fantastic addition. He could play third place. He could play left field if he wants to. You know, I think he's a. I think he'd be a great addition to the team. But I understand where Mets fans are coming out and saying, "I really don't want Chris Bryant." It's not. I just don't think he has that like it factor that he used to. Right. You know, two years ago, three years ago, everybody'd be like, "Oh, Chris Bryant, he's amazing. I would love to have Chris Bryant." Now I'm just like, meh. I agreed. I, 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 I J.D. Davis is perfectly capable of handling the everyday third base job. Is he though? I mean, look, my first, my first decision would be move McNeil to third and put somebody else at second. You know, the one guy who's earned the right to be a second baseman on this team is Guillaume. Luis Guillaume, I think has definitely earned it. But I'd rather, I'd much rather have J.D. Davis's bat in the lineup compared to Guillaume's. But J.D. Davis would not be on this team. Because uh, Alderson doesn't like him. Alderson's not a fan. He's not a fan of him. I think he's trying to trade him. Uh, I don't know. Like, I like having J.D. Davis, but if there's no... The thing that's killing the Mets right now is we don't know if there's going to be a universal DH. Oh, I know. We still don't know that. So that, all of a sudden, like, for example, Dom Smith value is here. Mm-hmm. When it was universal DH, now for the Mets, it's down here. But to other teams, it's probably right here because if they need a first baseman, he could play every day. That's why I like I'm not this is why I'd much rather trade Brandon Nimmo. And I love Brandon Nimmo, probably my second favorite player on the team right now. But I'd much rather have Dom's bat compared to sure. Nimmo. Davis is the same thing. Davis is bad. Is good. His defense is actually not bad. It's not bad for third base. But it just becomes at the end of the day, if Alderson doesn't really like the guy, he's going to try to package him. He's not a, if he's not a huge fan of the guy, he's going to package him. I just don't know if, I mean, listen, if, of course, if the Mets got Chris Bryant, I'd be super excited. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it. I wouldn't. But I just, he just doesn't really like, I'm just not overly impressed. By the way, Islanders are losing five three. Yeah, I saw that. Some of the guys in my—they're uh, freaking—they're freaking a mess right now. They—they they really are. And I was—I was just skimming through my group chat with my uh, guys from the fire department, all all Islander fans, and they were just talking and complaining about everything. And this is something I've even said. If you want to make this a segue to the Islanders, that this off season again, two off seasons in a row, that they didn't get another superstar to pair with. Uh, Andres, Andres Lee, they didn't get a superstar to put on this team, and that's what's going to kill them. All right, let's table the hockey talk for a few minutes because we have one more question, then we'll segue into it, and then because we have about about like a half hour, yeah, a half hour. Okay, so my last question we've heard time and time, you know, we've heard about quarterbacks that are going to be on the market, guys like Matt Stafford, guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, guys even to a lesser extent, although we don't know how serious it is, Aaron Rodgers. And of course, the first team that's mentioned for some ungodly reason, besides the Colts. So let's get that out of the way. The first team that's always seems to be mentioned are the Patriots. So here's the question. Are the Patriots really a veteran quarterback away from being a playoff team again? I'm going to say yes. Just Just because of the fact that if you get a capable quarterback in there, you know, and you saw it when... When Cam was early on in the season, Cam was playing great, and they were winning games, or at least in games. They almost beat the Seahawks. 
They were they were five yards away from winning that game. Mm-hmm. So they bring in a guy like Stafford and everything. And let's not forget, a lot of the Patriots players opted out this season. A lot of them did. A lot of guys on the defense and a few guys on the offense. You know, they get a they bring in another wide receiver to pair with Julian Edelman. And, you know, they have a decent running back room, so they don't really need help there. But again, you bring in a court, you bring in a decent quarterback like a Stafford. I'm not saying Rodgers, but you bring in Rodgers because he's I know he's not leaving the Packers, but bring in a capable veteran quarterback. I think they could not maybe win the not win the East, but I think they could get a wild card spot or be in contention for one at least. Um I, I think that they're they're far off. I think they're going back into kind of like what it used to be. Mm-hmm. When they were just like a seven and nine team, whether it was under Bledsoe or whoever it was. I mean, only obviously Tom, you can see we could put the Belichick versus Brady debate to rest because the fact of Brady just winning the Super Bowl and everything. But to be honest, the thing is, is the Patriots have just not had a like good drafts. Last year alone, they spent two third round picks on tight ends. Mm-hmm which I just thought was strange in its own right. And it's just one of those situations that I'm just not sure that they're really like, there's no building blocks. There's a couple, but at the same time, Clem, this team is old. It is. is There was a rumor going around that Dante Hightower may retire, even though he sat out this year due to COVID, but there was talk that he might retire. You know, Stefan Gilmore is another year older. They were trying to pedal him off to anybody with a pulse last year. Not to mention the fact that guys like Patrick Chung and the McCordys have all been, you know, they're they're getting older, man. No, they are, and I and I see it too. But you know, like I still think like these are still good players. You know, the McCordys are still great players. Patrick Chung still a good player. Dante Hightower, I still think he's good. You know, and these are guys who opted out. They even have Marquise Lee. Totally forgot they had Marquise Lee. You know, and I, th- I think, I think they could compete with a, a capable quarterback. I really do. You know, even a guy like, for example, even a guy like Nikhil Harry. Mm-hmm. You know, not good. Nikhil yeah. Harry has been a has been a huge disappointment. I mean, this is a guy you're expecting to be a number one, a future number one receiver, and if they lose Joe Tooney to free agency, which seems likely, if Julian Edelman retires, which is the rumor. I just don't think this team's a, that a quarterback away. And then the worst part is, is like we had Cam when they signed Cam. Everybody expected Cam Newton to have an MVP season. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cam's with Belichick and this and that. And Cam looked old. He looked old. And they and the thing about Belichick was he predicated that entire offense around Cam because he knew he didn't have the talent on the outside to do it. The talent wasn't there. See, like, I just don't know because the Patriots were bad this year, like really bad, but they still went seven and nine. If they get a guy like Stafford in here, and this was a depleted roster as it was, they get a guy like Stafford. I, I think they could be in a wild card contention. I really do. Yeah, but do you really want to trade for like? First of all, do you really think you're better than Buffalo? No, I don't think any. No one. No one. Do you think you're better than Miami? See, 
it's tough. It really is tough. You know, if I didn't know it better, I would say the best course of action for the Patriots would be trade, you know, draft a quarterback. I mean, it's very possible they could do like, they could trade for a guy like Stafford and then draft a guy like Mac Jones or or Kyle Trask in the second or third round. The thing is, is I don't think it's going to be as easy for Belichick anymore. Because look, not to mention, he's not, here's the thing about Belichick too, that we all forget. Belichick does not spend aggressively in free agency. And his drafts have been very, very hit or miss. I mean, they've been very, very hit or miss. And I'm going to see if I can pull them up real quickly while we're talking. That's what I was just about to do. I mean, it's like here, this is an article from the Boston Herald that was, that was put on in, in November. And it goes, it just talks about some of the just, weird trades they made when they made the trade for Muhammad Sanu and Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers has played better than him. You know, mm-hmm. Sony Michelle. Yeah. I think he's been okay. You know, like he's been good. I mean, he hasn't in spurts. I don't think he's been elite where they drafted him. You know, here it says, how about the Pats top picks from 2017 outside linebacker, Derek Rivers and offensive tackle Antonio Garcia. Antonio Garcia is not even in the league. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm I'm looking back at some of these draft picks. Really the only ones that really stand out the past five years are Joe Thune. Uh, Isaiah Wynn is all right. He just can't stay on the field. Chase Winovich and, and Shaq Mason. And I mean, again, this year they drafted Kyle Duggar in the second round. Not a bad pick, but a lot of people thought it was a bit of a reach. It definitely was a reach. The guy was a, I mean, yeah, he was great. He was probably the best player from division. He was a division two standout. That's all he was. So I, I just can't sit here and say, yeah, Matt Stafford is the missing piece. I can't. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just when you have Bill Belichick, anything is possible. And let me ask you a question. Do you really want to give him a first-round pick for Matt, for Matt Stafford? I don't think he's worth a first-round pick, though. He's but how bad do the Patriots want him? It's true. What if, what if the Colts say – I mean, the Colts could say, yeah, I'll give you a second-round pick and, and, and a player. I'll give you Jacoby Brissett. If he, I don't even know, but I think Jacoby Brissett's a free agent. But, you, know, you know as well as I do that the, the Patriots never keep a first-round pick. They never do. Or they always trade back or they love, trade, they love trading their picks. That's what Belichick does. But again, you wasted two third-round picks on tight ends. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to recreate the Gronkowski-Hernandez, you know, magic from, from the Super Bowl years? Uh, to me, it just seems very strange. Mm-hmm. You know, the draft picks don't seem to be there. And again, the Patriots don't offset it with quality free agents. They don't spend big money on free agents. Right. Occasionally they do. I think the last, the last guy they really spent big money on was Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. But they don't do that. It's always been developing and developing, but the Patriots haven't developed quality players in a while. No, you're right. They haven't. And the thing was last year when they had Brady, they still struggled to score points with the receivers they were putting out there. And Edelman is what? 35 years old. I think 36. Somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, I got to think he's pretty much ready to call it a career pretty soon. Yeah. I give, I give him one more year, but I cannot see a situation right now, especially with the bills being a solid team and Miami being a better team. And listen, if the Jets wind up with Deshaun Watson, 
it's highly likely that the Patriots could be a last place team. It's highly likely. Unless they go, I mean, yeah, they could put, they could back themselves into a corner and go get Matt Stafford and no one would blame them. But at the end of the day, is that really what's best for your franchise? Matt Stafford needs to go to a team that's a win now team. I don't know if the Patriots are a win now football franchise at this point. Mm -hmm. The Colts are in better position to win now than the, than the Patriots are. The Niners are maybe considered better, a more win now franchise than the Patriots. Those are the teams I probably want to go to if I was him. I don't think I'd want to go to, to New England and waste two more years of my career for, you know, for a guy who's not really going to put the best amount of talent around me. True. Stafford's window is very slow, small to win. Detroit made sure to take care of that. <laughs> but, I mean, I think at this point, I think Stafford, you know, he's going to want to go to a winning franchise. I'm not even sure if Indianapolis is a winning franchise. But I think right now it probably puts them in the best position to win. So, no, I think if I was a Patriots, I would start rebuilding my franchise, drafting quality players. You may have to let the dead weight go. Use the draft to your advantage, which is what you've always done, you know, over the years, of course, not recently. But I just think at this point, I think the Patriots have to start, you know, maybe drafting Trey Lance would not be a bad idea. Maybe drafting Mac Jones wouldn't be a bad idea. Mm -hmm. well, no, Patriots can somehow trade down in the first round. Like Belichick loves to trade down. You know that. Yeah. He likes to trade out of the first round more times than not. Trades out of the, you know, trades down a little bit and could still wind up with Mac Jones. It's not a bad decision. It's really not. No, you're not and wrong. Maybe you, and then instead of going after Stafford, maybe you see if you can bring in a guy like Fitzpatrick. You know, maybe okay. you can bring in a guy like Fitzpatrick to run the offense while Mac Jones develops. Because we know Belichick, he's not throwing Mac Jones out there week one. It's true. All right, before we get to our final segment of the day, we'll just do a, uh, we'll just kind of do some house cleaning on the Moffat on the Mike show. Um, as we were saying before, the Islanders are really struggling. They're down 5-3 in the Capitals right now, going to the third period. But losing that game the other day with 20 seconds left was just a backbreaker, and Trotz was pissed. Trotz was absolutely pissed. And you know what? He has every right to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here's the problem I'm having with the Islanders right now, too. I love the fact you want to bring back the same, the band is back together. And I know you want to bring back the same guys. And I, I love that about the Islanders. And sometimes it's not about getting that superstar. I mean, if you can get him, great. But if you can't, you can't. But that being said, though, what's kind of bothering me is I'm not seeing development out of the first round picks that we've had. You know, Dal Cole looks like a stinker. Hosang was a bust. Wallstrom finally scored a goal today. Kiefer Bellows has been non-existent. It's been non-existent. And these are guys you're counting on for quality scoring and you're not getting it. Exactly. You know, Hosang's not even on the team anymore. I mean, again, Dal Cole was a top five pick. I mean, he's been a complete bust. What are they doing in Bridgeport? Because none of the guys in Bridgeport have developed into superstars. It's really frustrating watching this Islanders team, especially the, the, the playoffs they had last year, you know, getting all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, you look, know, in their defense, you know, playing a schedule where you got to play the Flyers, the Capitals, the Bruins, I mean, yeah, it's tough. Because you know why? You don't get that team that you can beat up on. 
Right. You'll get to play that bad team in this division. Buffalo is probably the closest thing to a bad team. But you got to play the Rangers. You got to play the Devils. And these teams are a pain in the ass. Not to mention the Penguins. I mean, they're a good team. And Trotz has done an amazing job with them. In no way am I going to start advocating for Trotz to be canned. In fact, we should get an extension. But the thing is, is this team is not clicking. Mm-hmm. Something's missing right now. And you can't sit there and tell me it's because freaking Anthony Beauvillier's out. What's bothering me is the development of these young guys. These guys are not developing. Kiefer Bellows should be developed. He should be better than this. Michael Dal Cole should be better than this. That's what's killing the Islanders right now. And this is the time where you do need that John Tavares. And I, I've said this since he left, you know, Last year, you can make the excuse that, you know, they, they offered Panarin more money in more years, but he didn't want to take it. And I can get that. Okay, fine. But they didn't do anything after Tavares left, and they didn't do anything this offseason to try and replace him. And it's really biting them in the ass. Because I guarantee you, if they, they had a Panarin left. They, don't have, they didn't have the space because they had to get Barzell signed. And they still have Ladd under contract. And they have all these guys that have just been they're killing. They didn't. Surprisingly, they didn't find anybody to take Nick Letty. Nick Letty would have helped them get a little bit of cap relief. Boychuk retired, pretty much. But I just think that right now they need that stud. And if they're going to move into a new arena next year or this year in the fall, they have to get that stud. They have to. Like the like this, especially like again, like I said, you the Islanders went to the Eastern Conference Finals this past year. They needed someone to help them if they had a Panarin or they had a Tavares or they had whoever a, a, a Patrick Kane or so, someone out of elite level they would have I guarantee you they would have be, they would have beat the lightning in the Eastern Conference final if they had that kind of player but they didn't and they still didn't address it this season either and as much as I like Barzell as much as I like Lee they're not elite players Barzell is not an elite scorer He's more right. all-around guy. You know, he likes to pass more. I think he he's like the Jason Kidd of of your team. He's only you know you'll see his assists go through the roof, but he doesn't score that many goals. But this team has been together for this long, and like I, it's getting tiresome. <laughs> I know Island fans love having the whole the whole team like you know they try to act like it's going to be the new dynasty. Mm-hmm. Well, they haven't won shit with these guys. Not yet, at least. Like it's it's nice to see all these guys work together, and it was nice to see them make the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, Lou's got to start bringing in bigger fish. You got to start going after the Taylor Halls, and you got to start. Mm-hmm. You got to go after these guys, man. Even if you got to trade guys, you don't want to trade. You got to get. You got to do it. Because I mean, this is a win now franchise. <laughs> this is a win now team. And we can win now. That's the thing. We saw it last year, but when they're not making moves like this, it's frustrating. I mean, I know the schedule kind of plays a role in it a little bit, but, I mean, you should be able to beat the Capitals. You freaking smoked the Capitals last year. And especially the, the Capitals roster is hurting right now because everyone has COVID. Not to mention, they're freaking old. Yeah. You know, Zidane Char is like 42 years old. I mean, why can't you guys beat this team? I, I, don't, I don't understand it, man. I just don't. And the thing is, is like, this is a shortened season. You better wise up because you're going to wind up in last place. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's going to say a lot more about the franchise than people think. Exactly. Because if you can't beat the teams in your division, you got no business being in the postseason. 
I mean, the Rangers are the same thing. The Rangers are, you know, a lot of people will just say, well, they're a younger team. I don't want to hear that shit. If I was a Ranger fan, I wouldn't want to hear that they're a young team. In the last two seasons, you have gotten the number two overall pick and the top pick. Not to mention you got the top goal scorer on the free agency class last year. You have a goalie who is supposed to be leaps and bounds amazing in Shesterkin. Between Kako, Lafreniere, you know, your defense is pretty strong with guys like Jacob Truba, Adam Fox. They're another team that just seems like they can't put it together. Zabinijad, Buchnevich. I mean, come on. What the hell's exactly. taking them so long? Exactly. You're absolutely right, though. It really is. Like, it's frustrating if you're a Rangers fan, too. And the thing is, though, but you see the difference, Clem. Like, with a team like the Penguins, they have fucking Crosby. And you have, you see a team like the Sabres, and the Sabres have never been good, but they still have Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. You know, the Penguins have Crosby. I know Ovechkin hasn't played yet, but this, the Capitals have Ovechkin. You know, the Devils, I mean, yeah, you have Jack Hughes. You have, you know, Jack Hughes is probably your stud player, probably your best player. Look at what the Bruins have. Pasternak. You know, uh, what's his name? The goalie. Um, Tukarask. Yeah. Okay. One of the top goalies in the league. I mean, do I need to continue? I mean, this is just a couple of names, like right off the top of my head. The Flyers have plenty of quality players. I mean, the Islanders have good players, and it's great that they're playing together, but, I mean, something's got to give eventually. They don't, and they, they and the thing is they don't have elite players. That's the problem. They don't have an elite player. That's what they need. So the Islanders and Rangers are struggling right now, but as the season progresses, you know, you'll know they'll hit their hot streak. You'll know they'll get, they'll get back into the swing of it. Um, they'll be fine. Um, Steve Nash kind of admitted pretty much the other day what we already knew, and that is the Nets are not a defensive team, which we pretty much have put together. Shocker. You know, <laughs> um, that's not necessarily a good thing. But listen, as long I mean, you knew that guys like Harden and Harden and Durant and Irving were going to have to outscore other teams just to win games, mm-hmm. especially after the Nets got rid of Jared Allen and Torrey and Prince. Now, there's a rumor going around that they are talking to the Cavaliers about Kevin Love, which Ooh. honestly, pass. I don't need Kevin Love. I don't, I don't really care about Kevin Love. Um, but they are also talking about possibly getting JaVale McGee. So JaVale McGee, you know, they might buy out JaVale McGee. Although the Cavs are still in it, I mean, so I don't know. There's even some talk about them buying out Andre Drummond and the Nets being the first team to go after Andre Drummond, but that may not happen until later on. But, I mean, listen, the Nets are winning games, and that's all you could ask for. They beat the Hawks, you know, last night. They, they swept the Heat in two games in back-to-back games. So they're playing good basketball. They're just, they don't play defense. Mm. They're, just, they're, they're just an offensive score. They're just an offensive team. That's all they are. Yeah. So – um, there's that. The Knicks had a rough end to their road trip, but overall, I think they played pretty well under Tom Thibodeau um, to start the season. A lot of people are now hammering, clamoring for Emmanuel quickly to uh, to be the uh, the starting point guard, as uh, Alfred Payton has kind of struggled a bit. But um, you know, the Knicks have been playing some decent basketball. They come back. I think they played tomorrow night at the Garden. They played the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. They played like four times in the past two weeks. Um, they played pretty well there. Real quickly, who you got for the Rumble on Sunday? The Women's Rumble, I have Ronda Rousey winning it. You're an idiot. 
I'm, am I though? Am I? Do you really think? Do you really think Ronda Rousey's coming back at the Rumble? Yes. Yes, what, I do. What are you basing this on? Just instinct. Inst- I like because if you want my honest opinion, I think this Rumble is going to suck. Really? And the reason why I say that is because it's in front of no fans, which means there's not going to be a lot of big surprises. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, you know who I would have as a surprise entrant into the Rumble on Sunday for the women? Who? Oh. Ready? Yes. Tessa Blanchard. Ooh, that's good. Tessa Blanchard. I would That's keep good. it so freaking on the down low. You would never know. Like you would never know she was even in the freaking building. Tessa Blanchard would be my, would be like a surprise entry for me for the rumble. I don't, That's the good. NXT wrestlers are fine. I don't have a problem. You bring the NXT wrestlers in. You want to really shock the shit out of people. Tessa Blanchard. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even think of Tessa Blanchard either, you know, and she's not even rumored to go anywhere. So it's, it's kind of like a good thing that she, if she would have come, but I mean, my top four candidates to win the Rumble, the Women's Rumble at least, are Ronda, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, and Alexa Bliss. There was a rumor that Alexa Bliss may enter three times. I don't know if you saw that. As what, like a regular Alexa Bliss? Like, it's like the Fiend Alexa Bliss, like the Firefly Funhouse Alexa Bliss, and her regular character. I don't hate that, but I mean, like. I do. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. That's no, you, you, I mean, Mick Foley did it with the three phases of Foley. He came out as Cactus Jack, Mankind, and yeah, Love. No, I wouldn't do that. But I feel like you can't do it with Alexa. I'd rather as much see it with Bray Wyatt, if anything. Oh, oh the Alms are now losing six to three. Right. So, um, as for me, I, I think Bel Air has a good chance of winning it. Um, outside of that, I don't know. I would like to see somebody like, you know, you know, it'd be awesome if like Tony Storm, Tony Storm won it. So, oh no, the Islanders lost six to three, my bad. <laughs> so, um, but Tony Storm would be pretty good. On the men's side, I could see it being like AJ Styles. I would like AJ. You know, he, and, that's, would be good. and that's why I honestly think that Goldberg's going to win the title on Sunday. I'm freaking convinced that Goldberg's going to win the title. Oh. Yeah, I was telling my buddies this just before because we did the we did the phenomenal forum before this, and I was like, for the men's side, I really don't know who who's going to win the rumble. I could see so many scenarios play out. I could see Brock coming back. I could see Cena maybe coming back and winning the rumble. I could see Roman losing to Kevin Owens, entering the rumble, and then winning. I could see AJ winning. I could see Keith Lee winning. I could see. Drew McIntyre losing at the Rumble and then entering the Rumble is so many different scenarios I could see happening. I just don't know what to what to choose. But I can honestly say if there's one thing that I would not like to see, mm-hmm. I don't want to see Brock Lesnar in the Rumble. I wouldn't hate. If they it. bring Brock Lesnar in the Rumble, I will literally turn it off at that point because I'm like he's going to win and everybody knows because <laughs> this is what they do. They just always fall back on that. Now, if Lesnar interfered in the Goldberg-McIntyre match, I would be all in on that or in the Reigns match because of Heyman. Mm-hmm. That I would, I could see, that would be kind of cool. But I don't think, I don't know. I don't think, I think Lesnar is not going to really come out until this COVID thing goes away permanently. Or like people or when it's like fans are back in the seats and everything. I just don't see it. And that's why I don't think it's going to be a lot of big surprises because I just don't think there's going to be, 
There's no fans. I mean, the Thunderdome is cool, but it's not, but this type of event, it's not the most conducive, mm-hmm. you know? So part of me thinks you're not going to see a lot of big surprises. Um, I could definitely see Bel Air winning. If I had to pick somebody right now, I have a feeling it's going to be somebody like Charlotte Flair. If Charlotte Flair is even in the Rumble, uh, I, like it's there's so many scenarios you can really go with on either side, and it's 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 gonna it's gonna be interesting. But I'm kind of just hoping I we get like a half a half a decent Rumble here. And on the men's side, I think it's gonna be I'm feeling it's gonna be AJ Styles. I think he's due for a title run. I think he's due for a championship run, like a heavyweight championship run. It would make sense. Maybe no, you're right. To, you know, whether – honestly, Styles-Reigns would be a really good match. Styles-Reigns would be awesome. For Styles-Reigns would be very good. And my, my even one of my buddies texted me today. He was like, locking it in. Edge wins the Royal Rumble. I was like – No, I think it's going to be something where they're going to tease Edge against Orton. I don't know. I don't know about that because they already did that already. And it, my, my friend mentioned it earlier today. It they was a great feud though. They never ended it. It was supposed to go on for longer and an edge tore his bicep and missed all that time. So I think it's, I think it's going to go long. I think it's going to be, it's going to go back to edge and Orton again. I guarantee it. So, all right. Last but not least, how much time do we have? About five minutes, five minutes. Okay. I have a new segment that I created and it's very simply called tools on parade. So this week has actually been a lot of fun, you know, kind of keeping an eye on certain things. You know, Jake Paul was in the mix for this and everything. So, Clem, mm-hmm. in your opinion, who has been the bigger tool this week? Aaron Rodgers or the entire WWE? And why do I say the WWE, Clem? Here it is. The reasons. Number one, they gave away the fact that Edge is returning at the Rumble when they could have easily made that a surprise. Mm-hmm. The second thing I found out they did was, and I think it's going to be on Fox Sports, they're going to select one and two and 30 before the Rumble, which I think is a terrible idea. That is an absolutely fucking positively terrible, terrible move by WWE. So that alone, and their reasoning for letting the cat out of the bag about Edge is because they know that there's no fans, so the element, the surprise factor wouldn't have such a huge pop. For Edge. It makes sense a little bit. Now, why do I say Aaron Rodgers is a tool? Well, first of all, we already know he's been a tool for a while. All right. Right after the game, it's a tough loss, and I totally get it. But he starts talking, going on and on about how he's thinking about retiring, and he doesn't know if he's going to be with the Packers next year, and all that stuff. Okay. When you start doing shit like that right after a game, mm-hmm. it is no longer about the team. It is about you. And it seems a little vindictive that you're kind of pulling this because of whatever, because Matt LaFleur made a poor decision for coaching in that game. So, Clint, mm-hmm. who has been the bigger tool this week? I'm going to say the WWE, just because of the fact that they do this shit all the fucking time they spoil like returns and spoil oh the royal rumble like the whole point of the royal rumble is so that we're surprised at who comes out one and two and 30 that's the whole damn point of it like we love the element of surprise like like oh daniel bryan came out at one oh shit 
oh, Triple H came out at two. That's awesome. Like, you want to see that stuff happen, you know? And it's like they do this shit all the time with, like, oh, this week on Raw, Trish Stratus. Like, no, let us be surprised. Let her let the music pop and be like, oh, I can't believe they're here. Or I can't believe they're coming out at number one. Like, this, I hate this bullshit. They do this shit all the time. That's a fair. No, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, I think they blew it and they gave it away when they shouldn't have. You want people to tune into the Rumble for a reason, though. And a lot of people that watch the Rumble, they know there's going to be some cool surprises. Mm-hmm. Remember when AJ Styles came out at three? Yep. Or that year at the Garden when Cena came out at 30 and no one knew he was going to be there? Yep. Those are the types of things you want to see. Edge last year, the freaking pop, the roof was blown off Minute Maid Park mm-hmm. last year. And they gave him the pyro and it was so freaking awesome when they did that. And you just kind of like, oh, oh yeah, he's going to be at the Rumble. Like, I mean, he does like a whole promo about being at the Rumble. To me, that was just stupid. You didn't have to do that. You could have him come out whenever he wanted and just beat the shit out of Orton. Exactly. You know, that was just a terrible job. See, for me, I, I, since you picked WWE, I'm going to pick Rodgers. And the reason why I'm going to pick Rodgers is, 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 again, it was a tough loss against the Buccaneers. I don't disagree with, you know, you could, you have every right to be frustrated. The fact is they had a completely blue defensive coverage right before halftime that, you know, led to a touchdown. And then of course, LaFleur's decision to kick the field goal with a little bit over two minutes left in the game. Mm -hmm. I get that part. The problem I have with Aaron Rodgers in this whole thing is, is that he turns around and he starts to make it about himself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the time and the place for it. I don't. I think for you to sit there and start going, start talking about that, I want to be here, but I don't know if they want me here. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be here next year or if I play my, you know, he kind of, I felt like it was more about him. And to me, that's not only is it a tool, I think it's a bit douchey. Mm. And we, listen, we get it because, you know, during the year you weren't bitching and complaining about Matt LaFleur when you were winning the NFC South, NFC North title, getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And dominating the season pretty much. Mm-hmm. And listen, like I said, LaFleur had a, he made a poor decision. I don't dispute that. I do not dispute that. But my problem is, is again, is like now Rogers is making this, this woe is me campaign. Oh, I'm never going to win a title before. I, I mean, I won a world, I won a Super Bowl, but I'm never going to win another title. And my, I'm getting older and I can't stay in Green Bay anymore. Do you really think there are better options out there? I mean, call me crazy, but Green Bay is your best option to win a Super Bowl. Maybe not wrong. Maybe the Niners. Maybe. But I mean, do you really sit there and you're really thinking that there's a better team out there right now? I don't think so. Not not the way they're set up. They have a good defense and they have a great. Um, the wide receivers could have been better, but it's like, why are you going to start putting this shit in now? And now it's like, oh, has Aaron Rodgers played his last game in Green Bay? And it becomes about him. And like I said, the, the coaching decision sucked. It was a terrible decision. Terrible. But it's like, now it's about Aaron Rodgers. And we need to feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers because he lost an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl because his coach made a shitty decision. And then it starts to come out, oh, well, it's about Jordan Love next year or whatever it is. I don't even know. But it's like, come on, dude. I mean, grow a set of freaking balls, will you? I mean, I'm sorry. I just think like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers pulled this shit a bunch of times over, you know, and he always just kind of seems like a miserable individual. But it's like, dude, like, seriously, you're going on about this now? Your team just suffered a tough loss. Do they really, 
want to hear about your future at this moment in time. They haven't even gotten over the loss yet. You're talking now. You're talking about now. Not only do they have to get over this loss, but now they have to get over the fact that you might be leaving the team. Ah, oh, that's just that's bullshit, man. I'm sorry. You picked the WWE. I, I'm making a case for Aaron Rodgers being the biggest tool in the league. So, and I stand by my statement. And your opinion doesn't matter much anyway. So. <laughs> Uh, all right everyone listen that's going to do it for the Moffat on the mic show for this thursday night again check us out follow the show on instagram at mouth on the mic as well as on my facebook page you can follow klim and the a1 sports network on instagram twitter and facebook we will be back monday night 8 30 regular spot right here on the a1 sports network facebook page everyone wherever you are stay safe wear your mask this is gonna be kind of a shitty weekend there's no football and uh basketball and hockey are kind of few and far between so but for you wrestling fans, at least there is the Royal Rumble. That will get you through the Sunday before we get to the Super Bowl, which is next Sunday. So on behalf of Clem, I am Craig. This has been the Moffat on the Mic Show. Wherever you are, stay safe again. Wear your mask. Take care of yourself. Be uh, kind. Be mindful of others around you. And uh, have a great weekend. And we'll be back Monday night, 830, right here on the A1 Sports Network Facebook page. Have a great weekend, everybody.